ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 25 of the Fantasy Law Guy podcast. I am Nick Garisco at Fantasy Law Guy on the Instagram, my draft board on FantasyLawGuy.com. Today's episode, bold predictions for the AFC. I keep dropping the ball! Oh, I keep the ball! He did what? Playoffs? What do talk about? Playoffs? Who the hell is Mel Kiper? They are who we thought they were. We let him off the hook. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. What the hell's going on out here? I cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Can't wait. You like that? You like that? Just keep trickling the trickling the ball down the field. I saw, son. I saw. Hello? You play to win the game. Hardly. Sends the Saints to the Super Bowl. 2020 NFL season kicks off tomorrow with the Texans and Chiefs. There will be some fans in the stands, but more importantly, this matchup begins week one of the fantasy football season, and that is what you are here for. So in today's episode, I'm going to preview the season opener and give my bold predictions for AFC teams. So the Chiefs are favored by nine, and Vegas has this as the highest over-under at 54.5 points projected to be scored. And that's obviously great news for fantasy purposes when the smartest NFL predictors in the world expect this to be one of the most high-scoring games on the entire Week 1 slate. You'll want to start players in this matchup because of the potential shootout nature that we could see here. And last season, the Texans and Chiefs played twice in both games were very high-scoring affairs. And recall the Texans were actually up 24 to zip in the AFC divisional round before Pat Mahomes kind of stormed back, like scoring on like five straight possessions in the second half. And, and starting in the second quarter, Mahomes threw for 321 passing yards in that game and five touchdowns. And he also had an additional 53 rushing yards for his highest point total of the entire season at 38.1 points fantasy points in that game and again even though it was a real life playoff game that was his highest point total of the entire season it was one of the highest point totals that any quarterback scored in any game last year and look you don't need me to tell you to start Patrick Mahomes he's my quarterback one and this is a very cupcake matchup against a Texans team that fields one of the least talented defenses in the entire NFL their their best player J.J. Watt is actually matched up against the Chiefs' best lineman, uh, right tackle Mitchell Swartz, who should be able to neutralize Watt. So basically, the Texans' only, one of their only strengths on defense should be neutralized, and the, and the secondary is ripe for the picking. Gary and Conley, the team's number two cornerback, is out for this game, and the Texans lost stud defensive tackle DJ Reader to the Bengals in free agency, and they made no other notable additions this offseason to this defense. And you can quote me on this, but I honestly expect Houston to finish as like a bottom six defense this year. I mean, they very well could. I'd honestly be surprised if they finished above like 20th on their overall defensive ranking. So you want to start your Chiefs here. And you want to start your Chiefs pretty much in any matchup. But beyond Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, they face a very, very burnable secondary here against Houston and Tyreek Hill had 80 receiving yards and two touchdowns in week six in that matchup against Houston but then he kind of gave way to Travis Kelsey in the divisional round matchup where Kelsey torched the Texans 
in that playoff game for 10 catches on 12 targets for 134 receiving yards and three touchdowns. It was one of the best games all season for a tight end. And they just kind of let Kelsey roam free. And, and Kelsey and Tyreek kind of traded great games there, like from both of these outings against the Texans. And, and the Texans, they sold out to stop Hill in the playoffs, and Kelsey just kind of ripped them up underneath and made them pay. So I'm not sure what they'll do on Thursday, but it's kind of a pick-your-poison situation for this Texans defense that just lacks the personnel to really keep up with this potent Chiefs offense. And and I'll touch on Sammy Watkins and Cole Hardman real quickly. I don't think, in summary, I just don't think either of them are worth starting. It's not a situation where you know you have bye weeks or injuries already to you, so you need to put these guys in your starting lineup. And Hardman was a popular sleeper, uh, including by me, but I think that we need to see his role before we can really use him in fantasy football starting lineups. And no one should be surprised if he does score on like a long bomb. But we just don't know how many snaps he's going to play behind Sammy Watkins. He could literally play 10 snaps, like all game. We, we don't know. And it's possible he splits time with Demarcus Robinson as the Chiefs number three receiver. It's possible that we also need an injury to Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins for McCole Hardman to really break out. And, and Watkins tore it up. In week one last year, he scored three times against the Jacksonville Jaguars before doing nothing the rest of the entire season. And Watkins did have a decent playoff run, but I just think he's tough to trust at this point. I do think eventually that Cole Hardman is going to take over Watkins' job by season's end, but he's just going to be tough to trust this early in the season. Both of them are. And and we're, I'm going to be monitoring McCall Hardman's snaps and usage in this game I think his playing time will slowly increase as the season progresses, but I just cannot advise starting anyone uh, but the studs in this passing game. And as far as the running game goes for the Chiefs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the Fresh Prince. Looked at my kingdom, I was finally there to sit on my throne as the Prince of Bel Air. Will likely split work with former LSU running back Darrell Williams. And I think Darrell Williams should be rostered in all 12-team leagues. And the Chiefs view Williams as a better pass protector at this point. And the Chiefs offensive coordinator has made several comments this offseason about Clyde taking some time to learn pass protection. And it's conce- also conceivable that Williams could get goal line reps ahead of the Fresh Prince because of the veteran treatment, but also because he's just the bigger back. And Williams' competition, DeAndre Washington, got cut. So if Clyde were to go down for whatever Williams for whatever Williams, for whatever reason, Williams would likely form a running back by committee with Darwin Thompson, but Williams would get most of the early down work and goal line reps in a high-powered offense here. So he's definitely valuable enough to roster. Like if you're rostering guys like Tony Pollard and Chase Edmonds and Alexander Madison, like other valuable handcuffs, then definitely Darrell Williams, somebody who should be on teams in 12-team formats. I think he's kind of borderline in 10-team formats. But even against this Texans defense, and it being Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's first game as a pro, Williams is a pretty risky start. Unless you did some sort of zero RB strategy in your draft, and he's you know one of like you know Jordan Howard and James White, one of several players that you just don't even know who to start because you didn't take your second running back until I don't know like round eight. You were doing a 
zero RB strategy or maybe an anchor RB strategy. But other than that rare scenario, Darrell Williams, even if he's going to play half the snaps, he's just tough to start. I mean, this is a game where he could have 10 carries for 36 yards, or it's a game where he could have 10 carries for 36 yards and like two touchdowns. And if the touchdowns aren't there, Darrell Williams probably isn't going to provide much. And I'm expecting Williams to play about 25 or 30 snaps in this game, much to the much to the dismay of the Clyde Edwards-Elaire drafters. But it may take some time for Edwards-Elaire to really be winning like an every-down roll here. And I, I still expect Clyde to play about 35, 40 snaps in this game and to outsnap Darrell Williams. But I see this as a little bit more of a timeshare in Week 1 than a lot of Clyde drafters may want. But Clyde is still a must-start in this cupcake matchup. According to Evan Silva, no team allowed more receiving yards to running backs than Houston did last season. And Clyde is definitely going to be featured in the passing game in, in terms of running backs. They're not going to be using Darrell Williams as a, as a pass catcher, more so as a pass protector. That's why he would be in there for passing downs. And I'm expecting about 75 total yards, five or so catches, and a possible score in Edwards Hilaire's debut. As far as the Texans go, I think this is a situation where Houston could have a negative game script, and that would be a positive for Deshaun Watson, who actually plays better historically when he's trailing. And the Chiefs' defense finished strongly last season, but it was against a soft schedule, and they didn't play nearly as well in the postseason. And Defensive tackle Chris Jones and nickel corner slash kind of strong safety, kind of hybrid Tyran Matthew are their best players on defense. Those are kind of their stars. But they're missing two starters. They're missing starting cornerbacks Brassad Breland, and they're missing run-stuffing nose tackle Mike Pinnell, both of whom are suspended. And the Chiefs already have one of the worst cornerback groups and linebacking cores in the entire NFL. So even if the Texans aren't trailing, their opponent will mean that they will have to keep scoring to win. Like you have to, you're going to have to outscore the Chiefs or at least keep up with them if you have a chance in this game. So this projects to be a pass-happy game script for Deshaun Watson, and which is also great for Will Fuller. And if you've been following my 2020 draft board and strategy guide, there's a strong chance that you did draft Will Fuller on your teams. I know I did. I have Will Fuller on like every single team except for one. I think I have like 85 90% exposure to Will Fuller. So I'll be rooting for him to not exit this game with some sort of hamstring injury. And I'll be rooting that he stays healthy. And if he does in this game, he should produce. Will Fuller actually dropped three touchdowns in the regular season game against the Chiefs. Uh, That's right. He dropped three potential touchdowns. And now he's the de facto number one receiver for Deshaun Watson. Sands the Andre Hopkins. And he's a strong play. And he'll be in my lineups this week in part because the Texans just lack other playmakers at wide receiver. And Brandon Cooks has battled an injury in training camp, and he may not be a full-time player in week one. I'd be hesitant to use him. And Randall Cobb could be a sleeper in this game because of game flow, garbage time, and the Chiefs may focus their attention on Will Fuller now that uh, D-Hop is gone. Uh, but you aren't desperate enough probably to use Randall Cobb in week one. But he's a he's a player to keep an eye out for. He probably went undrafted in your leagues, and if he ends up with like a eight-catch for 86-yard line, you know he might be somebody worth uh, targeting in free agency for PPR formats. So we'll keep an eye out on Randall Cobb. And obviously I'm going to be watching Will Fuller and just kind of nervous that he stays upright, does not get hurt and hoping that he has a big game. And hopefully that'll be the start 
of a breakout campaign that I expect and hope that Will Fuller does have. And David Johnson is another player I was really high on, and I am higher than David Johnson than pretty much all the experts in the consensus rankings there. If you followed my draft board, you did have a strong chance of of landing David Johnson maybe in round late in round three or early in round four. And the fear here is that DJ may be victim to the game script. I know he's a very capable pass-catching back, but I'm not 100% confident that Bill O'Brien will see it that way, and I'm not 100% confident that he would not use Duke Johnson as a receiving back on obvious passing downs or two-minute offense. And I'll be monitoring that closely. My hope is that David Johnson will be the primary running back and play like 70% or more of the snaps in this backfield for the season, including in this game, regardless of the situation. And we should get a good idea of how DJ looks from a health perspective too. So that's another storyline to keep an eye out on. How much do the Texans use DJ in the passing game? Uh, Because if they don't, this could be an unfortunate game for David Johnson. Because even though the Chiefs ranked poorly in run defense last year, if the Chiefs get an early lead in this game, then the Texans are going to have to give up on running the ball and they may sub him out for Duke Johnson. So so my hope is that that is not the case, and DJ will be used. Uh, I keep saying DJ. I mean David Johnson instead of Duke Johnson. That, that, that will be frustrating watching from a game perspective this year when you're like probably stat tracking like um, at home and you see that D. Johnson scores a touchdown for the Texans and you get all excited and then you realize that it's Duke Johnson. That could lead to some nightmares there. But, but remember, David Johnson was running back three or was on running back three pace behind only Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook through the first six games of last season before succumbing to that debilitating back injury, which did cripple him. And that promoted, uh, or that prompted him to lose his job and then get traded. And here we are now. So hopefully David Johnson will be used as the bell cow, like I expect him to. And this will be a really good indicator of not only if he's healthy, but also if, you know, if David Johnson used as, you know, the primary receiving down back, well, then you know he's going to be getting early downs when the Texans are leading in games. So I'd be much more confident in David Johnson panning out if he looks healthy in this game and he's getting, you know, hopefully he ends up with five or six receptions in this game as well to boost his PPR floor. So I'm not using any defense in this matchup, by the way. I know the Chiefs are a popular streaming option in this game because Watson loves to hold on to the ball. And the Chiefs are at home, so they could get some sacks there. Uh, And they did finish the season strongly. A lot of experts are actually on the KC defense here. But I think I'm passing on that. I think that there are better options on the waiver wire. If I drafted Harrison Buttkicker, the kicker, I'm definitely starting him pretty much every week. If I drafted uh, Kaimi Fairbairn, the Texans kicker, I think I might probably be fading him this week. I don't really like starting kickers when the game script could be negative because in the second half, if the... Texans are trailing. They're not going to be opting to kick field goals. They're going to be trying to go for touchdowns and maybe go for two when they do score touchdowns and maybe go for it on fourth downs late in the game rather than settle for field goals. So yeah, I I generally like to start kickers who I think are on teams with not only good offenses, uh, which the Texans may have one, but on teams that I think are going to win their game. And I I do have the Chiefs winning this game. So uh, I feel more comfortable starting Harrison Butt Kicker than Kaimi Fairbairn here. So if you've been following my 2020 fantasy football draft 
guide and strategy board on fantasylawguy.com. The players you are definitely most concerned about in this matchup and are rooting for at the same time are Will Fuller and David Johnson on the Texans side and Pat Mahomes, of course, on the Chiefs side if you were able to land Pat Mahomes late in round two. Okay, so that is the Thursday Night Football preview season opener. Let's get to the main event of today's episode, and that is bold predictions for AFC teams. All right, so bold predictions, and it needs to be said up front that these are not actually predictions that I 100% believe, and some of them I don't even have a ton of confidence in. They're merely just kind of extremes of scenarios that are somewhat unexpected, but I think that are in the range of outcomes, right? It's kind of just like kind of exaggerating on a point that I do like or a player that I do like and kind of going with the best case scenario there and making, you know, a bold prediction about it for fun. And you aren't supposed to agree with them. They are supposed to be a little crazy or out there. And that's why they're called bold predictions. And I'm trying to do one per team, but I'll have some honorable mentions in there for some teams where I couldn't just stick with one. And, and let me give some examples of last year. I pulled these directly from the 2019 uh, draft guide that I had last year, my fantasy football draft guide. And I'll first give the ones that I was reading over and I just felt like such an idiot. Here are the ones that make me look really stupid. The really dumb things that I said in last year's draft guide, the predictions I made. Uh, one of them, Darwin Thompson will be this year's Nick Chubb, where you'll stash him on your bench for seven weeks before he shines and turns into a league winner in the second half of the season, similar to the way Chubb was as a rookie. Thompson is the premium lottery ticket, and I want everyone reading this draft guide to come out with Darwin Thompson on their teams after pick 100. Yikes, that was a brutal call by me. Darwin Thompson did absolutely nothing last year. Carson Wentz, I said that he was going to be a top five quarterback and an MVP candidate. And that was obviously uh, very bold, very wrong by myself. I think he finished as a top 15 quarterback, which is good, but he was nowhere near an MVP candidate and nowhere near a top five quarterback. The injuries to his supporting cast certainly didn't help that, but that is no excuse. Uh, Here's another one. Vance McDonald has top five tight end upside and nobody is talking about it. Yeah, well, apparently there was a reason that nobody was talking about it, and that is probably because he did not, in fact, have top five upside. Uh, Vance McDonald did was a huge bust last season. He was my tight end seven in my draft guide. And here's another one. I have Sam Darnold on every team I've drafted so far, and that's mainly because his quarterback 22 ranking means that he's essentially free as a backup in one quarterback leagues. Sam Darnold will push for a top 12 finish this season. Yikes, that is also not a good call by me. Sam Darnold had mono. He was just in a terrible situation with the Jets. He was terrible last year, especially for fantasy football purposes. Although he did finish a little strongly down the stretch. He was a top 12 option in the final seven games last year. Fun fact for what it's worth, but that is not much because by that point, at that point, it just really didn't matter. He was already cut from your team. Uh, Here's this next one. Chicago has a great offensive scheme that is conducive to running back production. Yeah, I actually said that. They have a good offensive line. I actually said that too. And the Bears are a winning team, which means positive game scripts. Yeah, that that is just not true at all. And David Montgomery. Ew, David. 
forced the most missed tackles in college football for two straight seasons. That part is true. Uh, he's a do-it-all tackle-breaking machine with pass-catching chops to boot. Montgomery is my go-to target in round four and in casual and in casual leagues. He is straight up larceny in round five in his ESPN ranking of 62 overall makes absolutely no sense. Well, actually, it uh, made a lot of sense, apparently, because David Montgomery was no better than the 62nd overall player last season. So good ranking by ESPN, bad ranking by me. Uh, Here's another one. Devonta Freeman will finish as a top 10 running back. Psych! That's the wrong number! I said that he was a total bust. He was RB24 in points per game. Uh, Here's another one. Curtis Samuel will outproduce DJ Moore despite being drafted three rounds later. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Oh, man, that is that is harsh. DJ Moore was so good last year. And I like DJ Moore, too. But I also just really liked Curtis Samuel, and I thought we were getting a huge discount there. We were not. There was a reason that he was going three rounds later in drafts. And my final one here, I am quite giddy with the idea of drafting Aaron Rodgers' number two receiver after pick 100. He is a sleeper for a 1,000-yard season. That guy was Marcus Valdez-Scantling. That is who I was talking about. Game over. All right, so that is enough slander for myself, the bold predictions that went horribly wrong last year. Let's get to some of the good ones here, the bold predictions that ended up being true, or at least were close enough to make me look somewhat smart here. I said Luna Fournette will double his career high in catches. He'll catch at least 50 passes this season and finish as a top 10 running back, and he should be your go-to third-round pick. That was right on the money. Huge hit there by Luna, uh, Luna Fournette was. So that is nice. Here's another one. You know I'm bringing this one up. Dalvin Cook will have a third-year breakout and be a league winner in the second round of drafts. So yeah, I was very high on Dalvin Cook last season. He was, in fact, a huge league winner. Uh, Michael Gallup will be a huge part of the Cowboys' offense. And he should continue to grow this year, especially because Armari Cooper is ailing with plantar fasciitis. Offensive coordinator Kellen Moore is a better play, is a better schemer than Scott Linehan. He will open up the offense, and Zeke's holdout should place an emphasis on the passing game. Gallup is one of my favorite breakout candidates who should be able to top 1,000 yards, and you should be able to grab him after pick 100 in nearly every league. So that was a good call on Michael Gallup there. Here's one of my favorites right here. If anyone could be this year's Pat Mahomes, it's Lamar Jackson. Jackson has a capability of being a cheat code of sorts. So that one was right on the money. Great call there. That one panned out quite well. Here's another one. Ezekiel Elliott's holdout will aid 
in this transition away from its conservative principles under Jason Garrett and force the Cowboys to design the offense around Dak Prescott, allowing Prescott to take the next step into the upper echelon of fantasy quarterbacks. Another good call right there. I like that one. And here's one about Devin Singletary. I said that TJ Yeldon may not even make the team and also wouldn't shock me if LaShawn McCoy got cut too. Uh, both of th- both those things did end up happening. And if that's the case, Devin Singletary's ADP will skyrocket. He's another player you can stash on your bench that may be very useful in the second half of the season after the murky water clears. So there's a good one about Devin Singletary there. Here is probably my favorite in the whole one, in the whole draft guide, honestly. If anyone has a shot to be this year's George Kittle, my money is on Darren Waller. Currently ranked at tight end 24 on ESPN, Waller is free. I've taken a flyer on him as my backup tight end in every team I've drafted so far, usually in round 16-ish. So I called Waller the next George Kittle. That was a great call there. And then here's another one. Jameis Winston will be a garbage time king. It won't always be pretty, but in the end, Winston is a better bet than you think to finish as a top 10 quarterback. Winston actually finished as a top five quarterback, believe it or not. And he was the definition of a garbage time king. And my last one here is, oh, actually two more here. Uh, while he is super hyped as a breakout candidate by the experts, I don't think they go far enough. No expert I've seen is as high on Chris Godwin as I am. Godwin is one of my favorite targets in the 40s, and I'm perfectly content with having Chris Godwin as my number one receiver when I open up RB Heavy. That was a wise call indeed. And lastly, here's my last good one here. Just ignore all of the top defenses and take New England as DST8 in drafts. They are a virtual lock for a top seven season. And in the first half of the season, they have an extremely soft slate that they'll take advantage of. Here we go! That was an understatement for the New England Patriots defense. So I'm glad I advised everybody to ignore the defenses before taking New England. So... Some are huge hits and some are misses. And at the end of the year, we'll be able to look back on some of these, hopefully, and say that I've gotten a few right. And most of them will be whiffs, but hopefully some of the hits help you win your leagues. Okay, let's get started. 2020 bowl predictions. First up, bowl prediction for Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. He was the quarterback one in the final seven weeks of 2018, and he parlayed that into a QB six finish last season. The team has since signed Stephon Diggs, and they have John Brown, and and they have Cole Beasley in the slot. And the Bills return four or five offensive line starters, and Allen has the rushing floor. So my bold prediction for the Buffalo Bills is this. Josh Allen finishes as a top three fantasy quarterback. And my honorable mention for the Buffalo Bills is Zach Moss scores more fantasy points than Devin Singletary this year, despite Devin Singletary being drafted 40 spots higher in ADP. And this sounds a lot like my Curtis Samuel call over DJ Moore last year, but hopefully it does not end up being the same foolishness. So yeah, Zach Moss over Devin Singletary, more points, and Josh Allen, top three quarterback. So we're opening up with a bang here. New England Patriots, this was a tough one to come up with. I really don't really like any of the New England Patriots skill positions there. I don't think I drafted a single Patriot on any one of my uh, higher stakes leagues this year or the leagues I really care about. So I'm going to go with this. Nikhil Harry, 
He did absolutely nothing in his rookie season. He can't separate. Well, it doesn't matter because Cam Newton's a quarterback, and Newton will take a liking to Nikhil Harry, and Nikhil Harry will have a second-year rise. And Nikhil Harry, here's my bold prediction, he will lead the team in touchdowns among skill positions with eight touchdowns for Nikhil Harry, and he will also hit 800 yards. So moving on to Miami, the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, a combination of Tua Tungavailoa and Ryan Fitzmagic, will combine to finish as a top 16 fantasy quarterback. My reasoning is that last season, Fitzpatrick finished as quarterback eight pace in his final 11 games. And the Dolphins have Devontae Parker. They have Preston Williams. They have Mike Jasicki. Chan Gailey has had very successful passing offenses historically. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a chucker. And I think that when he is relieved of his duties for Tua, I think Tua will be very impressive as a rookie as well. So Miami Dolphins, top 16 quarterback option when you combine Fitzmagic and Tua Tungavailoa's starts. And this is mainly kind of a prediction more about Tua being successful more than anything. All right, so New York Jets. Only five wide receivers had 100 catches last year. And this year, Jamison Crowder will be among them. The Jets, terrible team, but Sam Darnold likely still a good quarterback, so young. And game flow will be heavily in Crowder's favor. The Jets have no defense. And in garbage time, defenses, Crowder's just so perfect for garbage time because defenses in garbage time will allow underneath completions. And that is what Crowder will give you because defenses, when they are leading, they're just trying not to get beat deep. So Crowder is has the perfect skill set for that. And outside wide receivers, Denzel Mims, he's a rookie in a COVID-shortened offseason. And he missed a lot of camp with a hamstring strain. Brashad Perryman, the other outside receiver, also new to the team, replacing Robbie Anderson. And he's dealing with a nagging injury already. And Adam Gase's offenses have featured the slot receiver in the past. So Jamison Crowder, 100 catches. So moving on to Baltimore, and you know where this is going. You know this is going to be about Hollywood. And Marquise Brown lights the league on fire. Huge breakout season coming. He leads the NFL in receiving yards. And yes, I know that's one of my bolder stances I've said so far. But Marquise Brown leads the NFL in receiving yards in only a second season. The Ravens' wide receiver depth chart after Marquise Brown is non-existent. Hayden Hurst is gone. Baltimore trailed on only 19% of their offensive snaps last season, and they will be forced to throw more this year. Lamar Jackson, league MVP last year, and he and Marquise Brown will have a great rapport. Many, many big plays. And I think Marquise Brown is a big play waiting to happen. I think he's going to be way healthier than he was last year. And I'm kind of looking for him to take the lead by storm. So 1,500 yards, receiving yards for Hollywood Brown leads the NFL in receiving yards. Pittsburgh Steelers, James Conner stays healthy enough to garner 300 or more touches in his contract year. And the Steelers lean on him with a great defense and an aging quarterback. Connor bounces back this season and plays like he did in 2018 when he was RB6 in points per game in 13 games. Connor amasses 1,300 total yards and scores double-digit touchdowns. And he's this year's Leonard Fournette, where he finishes as RB7 despite a third-round ADP, just like Fournette had and did in 2019. So moving on to Cleveland, Odell Beckham enjoys a major bounce back season. He reminds us that he is a top five wide receiver talent. He finishes as a top seven wide receiver despite 
his consensus ADP being wide receiver 15. I'm expecting 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns for Odell Beckham. I don't want to say I'm expecting it, but for the purposes of my bold prediction, my bold prediction is 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns on 75, 80 catches for Odell Beckham. Huge spike in efficiency, despite the Browns being one of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. So Odell Beckham, major bounce-back season, top seven wide receiver, 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns. Cincinnati. I'm realizing here that the AFC North, gosh, I mean, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, AFC North could be a really good division, but I'm also just realizing my takes for AFC North are much hotter than my takes for the AFC East. I mean, the last three predictions in this one here are just way bolder than the four that I opened with. Uh, Apparently, I have some strong opinions or strong predictions about the AFC North. But anyway, Cincinnati, here we go. Joe Burrow breaks Baker Mayfield's rookie touchdown record of 27 passing scores, and Burrow tosses 28 touchdowns, and he scores another two on the ground to give him an even 30 total touchdowns, and he runs away with Rookie of the Year honors. Joe Burrow has A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, John Ross, Auden Tate, T. Higgins, even Gio Bernard in the backfield. The Bengals are built to throw the football. Zach Taylor, pass-happy coach, also uh, runs at a fast pace. When they're trailing and the Bengals still not there on defense, they may finish last in a really tough division. And it won't always be pretty, but Joe Burrow, 30 touchdowns total, top 10 fantasy finish. I liken him to be a Jameis Winston of last year, kind of light version of that. And Winston, like I said, finishes a quarterback, is quarterback five last year, by the way. So Joe Burrow, 30 total touchdowns for him, but won't always be pretty. Tennessee Titans, the Titans have a good quarterback now in Ryan Tannehill. That's not my bold prediction, but it's getting to there. He's mobile, he's accurate, and Tennessee will have to throw more this season because defenses will be keying in on stopping Derrick Henry. And they will not be letting Derrick Henry Henry beat them. And that regression, that increased volume, will be good for the passing game and will help offset some of the inevitable declines in efficiency in this passing game that we will see. Tennessee really only has one legitimate pass-catching option, So here's my bold prediction. The opportunity is there for a major breakout. And this guy is going to finish at the top seven of his position. And the guy I'm talking about is not A.J. Brown. I mean, it could be. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. But the guy I'm talking about here today is Janu Smith, tight end for the Titans. He and Ryan Tannehill started training together this offseason right when the season ended. Smith's entering a contract year. He's a talented physical specimen. He runs like a wide receiver. He is my top sleeper tight end, and he's my bet to be this year's Mark Andrews. And I'm going to give him the same stats as Mark Andrews last season. 64 catches, 182 receiving yards for Johnny Smith. And I don't think he's going to score 10 touchdowns, but I'm going to say 64 catches and 182 receiving yards. That's my bold prediction. Top seven tight end season, just like his predecessor, Delaney Walker. All right, the Indianapolis Colts. In the last three seasons, Keenan Allen has had 102 receptions, followed by 97 receptions, followed by 104 receptions. That was despite the Chargers having Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Tyrell Williams, and Hunter Henry for some of that. And everybody's talking about Phillip Rivers peppering his running backs like Naeem Hines and Marlon Mack and...
And everybody's talking about Jonathan Taylor taking over this backfield. And everybody's talking about Paris Campbell being a sleeper this year. And everybody's talking about how Rivers is going to, you know, flood his tight ends and running backs with targets. That all may be true. But T.Y. Hilton, his career high in catches is 91 in 2016. T.Y. Hilton, my bold prediction is he matches that exactly. With 91 catches, 1,150 yards to go with it. He's going to be used as more of a possession receiver for Phillip Rivers, similar to the way Keenan Allen was used. And in the first six games of last season before his calf injury kind of derailed his year, I'm referring to weeks one through three, week five, and week seven through eight. Hilton averaged 16.33 points per game, which was wide receiver 11 pace. And that was with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. And now T.Y. Hilton gets Phillip Rivers, which is a huge upgrade in the passing game. T.Y. Hilton is in the best shape of his life in an entering contract year. Shocker, I know. 91 catches for T.Y. Hilton this year. All right, next bullet prediction is for the Houston Texans. Obviously, this one is going to be about my boy, Will Fuller. And I'm not going to be so bold. I'm not going to go out on such a huge limb here to say he plays 16 games. That would just be insanity. That would be crazy. I would just love that. But I'm not that crazy. But how about this? Will Fuller plays at least 12 games, and he finishes as a top 12 receiver in points per game. He's Watson's go-to target, Sands, DeAndre Hopkins, and the Texans have no defense, as I described earlier. Will Fuller will fill up the box scores when he plays this season, and Fuller's career high in catches is 49. His career high in receiving yards is only 670, and his career high in touchdowns is 7. Not only does he match all of his career highs, at minimum. I mean, that's not that bold. But he plays in at least 12 healthy games. And Will Fuller sets career highs across the board. And his pace stats are 80 catches, 1,300 yards. So almost double his receiving career high in eight touchdowns. So I have a lot of stake in that one. And I'm hoping that that comes remotely true. So moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And here's my boldest prediction of them all. Are you ready for it? The Jacksonville Jaguars, Super Bowl champions. I'm just kidding. They tank for Trevor Lawrence, and they get Trevor Lawrence. And that's not my bull prediction, because that's actually very reasonable. In fact, Vegas has that as such. But I didn't really know where to go with this one. So I'm going to go with the only Jaguars player that I actually like this year. That is DJ Chark. And he will be a garbage time and second half hero. He builds on his amazing second-year breakout with pass-happy Jay Gruden. And DJ Jark finishes as a top-12 wide receiver despite his ADP being wide receiver 26. So moving on to the last division here, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. And you may have gotten wind of this one. You may have seen me kind of allude to this one earlier in my matchup preview. But Daryl Williams stumbles into the end zone 10 times for the Chiefs this year. That's right. 10 touchdowns for Daryl Williams. And they use him as their goal line back over the Fresh Prince of Hilaire. I still think the Fresh Prince has a fine season as a rookie. I don't think drafters will be disappointed for taking Edwards Hilaire. But they will be disappointed when Williams vultures several touchdowns and pisses everybody off, including Pat Mahomes drafters as well. My bold prediction for the Chiefs, Daryl Williams finds the end zone somehow, some way, 10 times this year. And that was kind of a sad one because I wanted to do something crazy like, you know, Tyreek Hill leads the league in receiving, but I just think he's too much of an injury risk for that. Travis Kelsey, 
you know, he's already been tied in one for four straight seasons. I wanted to do one where it's like, okay, t- Travis Kelsey doesn't finish as a top five tight end, but that's just too much. The only way that would happen is if he got hurt, which is possible. He is 31, but I didn't want to do an injury prediction there. Uh, Pat Mahomes, I, I didn't think it was that bold to say, you know, he leads the NFL in touchdowns or wins MVP or, you know, throws for 45 touchdowns or whatever have you. I didn't think that, that was that's crazy because he's done it before. So I'm going with something even crazier, Daryl Williams, 10 touchdowns. Hopefully that doesn't happen because I'd rather Pat Mahomes throw for 50 touchdowns than Williams uh, steal 10. So anyway, moving on, Vegas Raiders. My bold prediction for the Las Vegas Raiders, Josh Jacobs leads the AFC in rushing this season. Top eight fantasy running back this year. The Raiders return all five of their offensive line starters. They added weapons in the passing game and on defense to help them keep up with teams. So game flow will be better than last season. They won't have to be taking Josh Jacobs out of the second half of games like they did so often last year. Jacobs also played through a separated shoulder in the second half of last season. Jacobs, despite all that, showed elite rushing ability on the field. He was number one in pro football focus elusiveness rating, number one in missed tackles force, number six in yards after contact per rushing attempt. And I think he was the number four overall running back in PFF grade. The Raiders are committed to Josh Jacobs. They want to see him succeed. I'm hoping I'm hoping that he doubles his receiving output from, what what is it, like 20 catches to 40. I don't know if it will be that much. I'm projecting more like 35 catches. But AFC leader in rushing, Josh Jacobs, you heard it here first. And the honorable mention for the Raiders, Brian Edwards, deep sleeper at wide receiver. He leads this team in receiving yards. Actually, I'll just go ahead and say it. He leads this team in receiving categories. He's got the skill set. He's extremely productive college player experienced starter for three or four years at South Carolina, early breakout age, rave reviews since the moment they have drafted him and leading up all throughout training camp. He's getting more hype than Henry Ruggs, who was picked 12th overall. And Derek Carr has already talked him up as well. Can Derek Carr support all of these weapons? Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, uh, Brian Edwards, Nelson Aguilar, Jason Witten, Foster Moreau. I'm not really sure, especially if Josh Jacobs is going to lead the AFC in rushing. I'm not really sure. But Edwards... Leads the team in receiving for whatever it is worth. Honorable mention number two, and this is kind of a cause and effect here. Uh, I'm kind of piggybacking and trying to be consistent here with my bold predictions. Darren Waller, consensus tight end five, finishes outside the top eight tight ends. Great player, but just too many mouths to feed in this offense, and I just don't know if Derek Carr can really support them all, especially if Josh Jacobs has even close to the season that I think he will have. So yeah, Darren Waller, finishes outside the top eight tight ends, and he's going as consensus tight end number five by pretty much all experts, uh, not by me. So Los Angeles Chargers, this is one of my bolder stances uh, the whole show, and I don't really have great reasoning for it. It's just kind of a gut feeling. Joshua Kelly, fourth-round rookie, scores more touchdowns than last year's RB4 overall Austin Eckler. Joshua Kelly, fourth-round rookie, more touchdowns this year than Austin Eckler. And I don't know exactly why it will be. I think that there's a chance that the Chargers may prefer Kelly over Eckler at the goal line. I think that there's a chance that Eckler doesn't last a full season as the bell cow back. I hope that he does because I just love Austin Eckler as a talent. There's also a great chance that Austin Eckler just totally proves me wrong and finishes as a top five running back or proves everybody wrong and makes all the experts look stupid for letting him go into the late second round. But... I am predicting here that Joshua Kelly forms a nice tandem 
with Austin Eckler. And even if Austin Eckler outproduces him because of the receptions and everything like that, Kelly finishes the season with more touchdowns than Eckler does. And keep in mind that Austin Eckler, although he did have eight receiving scores last year, he did not score a rushing touchdown after week three last year. And I know Melvin Gordon is gone, and that's why Austin Eckler could totally blow up this year. He's one of the most polarizing picks in fantasy. Part of me wanted to make this bold prediction about Austin Eckler being a top three running back, honestly. That's how polarizing and and how tough of a read Eckler is in fantasy football this year. But I'm going to go with my gut here, and I think that Josh Kelly is going to have a fine, fine rookie season and be very, very fantasy relevant. And he is a he's a big, deep sleeper of mine. So, and then I'm going to also going to give an honorable mention here. Hunter Henry. This is similar to the Darren Waller one. Hunter Henry consensus tight end at tight end eight in ADP. He finishes outside the top 14 tight ends. Hunter Henry does. I just don't know if Tyrod Taylor, Justin Herbert combination is going to get it done for Hunter Henry there. I think the Chargers are going to be a run first team. He's already got a feed. Austin Eckler in the passing game. He already has to feed Keenan Allen. Mike Williams, it turns out that his injury is not as severe as once thought. I just see kind of Henry not being phased out. I mean, he's a, he's a good player, but I kind of see Henry being forgotten about every now and then in certain games, and I think that it will be kind of frustrating to manage Henry throughout the season from a fantasy football perspective. So Hunter Henry... Drafted a tight end eight right now. He finishes outside the top 14 tight ends. That's my bold prediction for the Chargers, or one of two. Uh, Last team of the entire day, and I'll be doing the NFC version of this in my next episode, either uh, tomorrow or the next day. But I want to do the AFC first before the Chiefs and Texans played, because that wouldn't be fair. But here we go. Denver Broncos. Drew Locke has a young and explosive supporting cast. Cortland Sutton is an alpha wide receiver, a wide receiver one a clear-cut X receiver, Jerry Judy, amazing Z receiver, and I think that he's going to be have a fine rookie season, and I think he's ready to play already. K.J. Hamler, great speedster out of Penn State who is going to help you know, take the lid off defenses and just help really open up space in this offense. Noah Fant, second-year tight end, great athletic prospect, Melvin Gordon, and a Mike Munchak offense, coach offensive line. Just an incredible supporting cast. For Drew Locke. And now we're hearing reports that Von Miller is going to be out for the entire season and Bradley Chubb is going to be on a pitch count to open the season. So this defense also lost Chris Harris and they just had to release Todd Davis, their starting inside linebacker. This defense has a few players on it. You know, Justin Simmons, Alexander Johnson, Jarrell Casey, but this is a defense that could really underwhelm without Chris Harris, without Von Miller, and that will force Locke to take some chances and he's an aggressive quarterback through the air, which I think is good for fantasy football. And he also is pretty athletic. He's got a nice rushing floor. And I think all of this adds up for Drew Locke, ADP of quarterback 23, to throw for over 4,000 yards in his first year as a full-time starter. And last year, I think only eight or nine quarterbacks reached the 4,000-yard mark. Drew Locke will be among those quarterbacks to throw for 4,000 yards in 2020. So those are my bull predictions. We can come back at the end of the season and just laugh at them. Hopefully some of them ended up being true or at least on the right path. Uh, This is also technically going to be my last podcast of the off season, technically, because football starts tomorrow. 
So I just wanted to take the time to thank you so much for your support this offseason. Uh, as I started my podcast, as I started my new website at fantasylawguide.com, I hope that these podcasts and my draft guide helped you prepare for your fantasy drafts, and I hope that they help you win your leagues. And I'll be recording my NFC Bowl predictions and actually Super Bowl prediction podcast tomorrow, so it should be out in the next day or so. And I'll also be doing a Week 1 Matchups pod so send me your lineup questions ASAP. There's a little section on my website, fantasylawguy.com, where you can write up your questions, and they'll be submit to my email, and I will uh, reveal them and answer them on the show. You can also just hit me up at, ins- not at Instagram, at fantasylawguy on Instagram or at fantasylawguy on Twitter. I'm Nick Garisco on Facebook. So if you have questions, hit me up, and I will try to answer them in my week one matchups podcast, which will be done which will be out this weekend, so you can listen to it before Sunday's games. I am so excited for the regular season. I hope you are too, and I hope that you drafted a kick-ass fantasy team thanks to my draft guide. I'm one of those people who just takes so much pride in the draft guide that I'll be rooting for the players who are listed high on my draft guide, like rooting for you guys' team more than I'm rooting for like my own teams. So again, I, I just really appreciate Y'all taking the time to listen to these podcasts and to read my lengthy draft guide. So it is not goodbye, but it is kind of sad that the offseason is over. It all happened so quickly. All right, and that'll conclude today's episode. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please, please, please hit the subscribe button and give me a favorable rating or review. That kind of stuff really helps a young pod grow, and I really appreciate your continued support. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.